0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. All right, so let's talk about the Longhorns in the NFL as we wrap up the draft. Uh, a couple of notes here. So with three, their first three picks, the first three Longhorns to come off the board went within the first 115 picks. That would be B. John Robinson in the first, Marvin Overshone in the third, Roshan Johnson early in the fourth. That cam is the first time in 10 years Texas has had three players selected within the first 115 picks of a draft. The last time that happened was in 2013 when you had Kenny Vaccaro, Alex Okafor, and Marquise Goodwin.
1: Who are all still oh, no. in the league, right? Uh, except, Al- for, except for Vicaro. Uh, Alex Okafor, I don't believe he's, he's right done. Now. Okay. Yeah,
0: I don't think he was not on a team last year. But yeah, Marquise Goodwin's still going strong. But yeah. though. Those guys played for a long time. I mean, Kenny played for a long time. Got him a couple really nice paydays with the. Got him one, his last one was with the Titans, and he was actually a really productive player for the Titans. And then Alex Okafor got him a ring with the Chiefs. Yeah. So uh, three really productive NFL careers. Hopefully for these three guys, it, it goes the productive route. Bijan Robinson, DeMarvin Overshone, and Roshan Johnson. Also, I counted Cam. This is the eighth, only the eighth time since the draft went to a seven-round format in 1994 only the eighth time when Texas has had at least at least five players selected. Uh, would you care to know those other times, Cam, and kind of what, what those other times have in common in terms of success for the Longhorns? Let's hear it. So the other times were the 97 draft, just coming off the '96 season, where, where, coming off seasons where you won back-to-back conference championships, the last Southwest Conference title and the first Big 12 title, the 06 draft, the 07 draft, and the 08 draft. Which were Man. core pieces of that national championship team. Then the 2010 draft, which was the core of the 0- 08 and 09 teams, and then you've got 2015 coming off of Charlie Strong's first year, 2021 coming off of Tom Herman's last year, and then 2023 off of Sark's second year. Progress. It does sound like progress. It's a it's a step in the right direction. It beats the hell out of the alternative that we had to sit through last year. There was a with piece no draft picks.
1: There was a piece last week um, on the Athletic about. The relations of five-star recruits and how they pan out, and the programs and how they're drafted, and the, I think Texas about twenty-five percent, of five stars from Texas end up getting drafted.
0: What is that? What is that? Uh, what years does that cover? I'd be interested to know because I didn't read it.
1: I think it was from from twenty ten. Okay. To now,
0: because Chris Hummer does a five-year kind of running study studying development rate. Yeah of blue-chip prospects, which we consider those guys that are ranked in the top 247 every year. And Texas has been one of, if not the worst, almost every year in his running study at developing blue-chip prospects. Except I think it was either last year or the year before. I think they had crept up like into the 19, 18, or 19. Uh That's out of like 20, I think 27, 28 programs.
1: Up the nineteenth.
0: I think. I think last. Year, I think Texas had creeped up. A and M was back down to either last or next to last. But now that the draft's over, Chris should be putting out his development study, that running five year study. But yeah, it's no secret Texas has not been good at developing blue chip guys. But look at all the guys that got picked this year, right? Bijan Robinson was a five star guy. Demarvin Overshown, composite four star. We had him as a five star guy. Uh, Roshan Johnson was a composite four star as a quarterback. Then he goes to running back and ends up making it. Uh, Keandre Coburn was a four star guy. Moro Jomo, I think he might have been a composite three. I can go. I'll go look at that real quick. He might have been a composite three. I know we had him as a four, uh, because we liked the fact that just because of his age and the fact that we figured his body would grow, just had some good measurables. Uh, I, th- I know we had him as a four. If I'm thinking about that right, give me just a second to pull that up. Uh, yeah, composite three star, three ninety nationally. We didn't have him in the top two forty seven. We had him as an unranked four star.
1: Yeah. So, again,
0: you're seeing some positive signs. Now, I'll say this. We saw some of these signs, and we talked about it, some signs with Charlie Strong. We saw some of these same signs even early on with uh, with Tom Herman. That Remember, Herman's first draft class was like Malik Jefferson and Connor Williams, Deshaun Elliott, Michael Dixon, a lot of guys that are still in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik still actually signed a futures deal with the Cowboys. So yeah. he's, he's still uh, getting a chance to play in the league. But to me, what separates this draft class is now you look at next year's draft and you're seeing multiple mock drafts. Now I saw PFF put out there, kind of big board. Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, and JT Sanders all kind of projected as potential first-round guys. Now, it's not saying that's going to happen, because I think you can go look at the same stuff at this time last year, yeah, and it's going to look very different from where the first round was this year. But if that happens, if those guys are all potential first-round picks going into next year's draft, that probably means Texas had a high level of success. I'm still crunching some of the numbers from draft weekend, so I'll have some of that tomorrow in terms of correlating draft success with success on the field for Texas. For some programs, it doesn't mean a lot. Like Florida is now one of those programs. Florida is going to put out a lot of picks into the NFL. Florida was 6-7 and seven last year. Uh, NC State, surprisingly, has been one of those. Pro- like NC State and Clemson are like the polar opposite of each other. Clemson, a lot of success on the field. It hasn't really... Resulted in as much NFL draft success as you would think. NC State, they're not a, a world beater. I mean, Dave Dorn's done a good job with that program. They're kind of a top twenty to twenty-five program every year, but NC State per- puts a like an absurd number of guys in the NFL. South Carolina is another one of those. Like, not a great record. Like, Shane Beamer with a eight and five, seven and six, somewhere around there. They're putting a lot of guys in the NFL. I don't know how many South Carolina had six or seven go in the draft this year. So some some schools it doesn't matter for Texas. There's a direct correlation between draft success and on the field success. And but I think the difference is when you look at this draft and you start projecting forward. You've got those three guys, but then you start to thinking you start thinking forward. And you're like, man, when you know Kelvin Banks and some of these young guys that we saw this last year, like Jalen Ford is going to be draft, you know, can, is going to go into the draft next year. But you look at like Kelvin Banks, Terrence Brooks, some of these young cats in this program. When they get to that point where they're draft eligible, you kind of you see a, a point where yeah, this thing can keep rolling a little bit. And now maybe Sark can start having the kind of success he wants. He's, he said when I asked him the question during spring practice, he said, yeah, they had some five guys go to the combine, and that's great. He wants that number closer to 10 every year and believes it can be closer to 10 every year. So Sark wants one of those, one of those deals where every year Texas is putting five-plus draft picks into the NFL.
1: And I mean, look at Georgia and Alabama. That's what they've done the last five, Uh, ten years. Ohio State. Ohio State. And where do they finish every year? The college football playoff.
0: TCU had a great year. What, TCU have eight drafted this year? Yeah,
1: And what happened to them? College football playoff. For Texas, and we looked at it on last Friday, the way too early mock drafts. We saw three guys from UT being drafted. Mm -hmm. Yours, Worthy. In Banks. And Sanders. Sanders?
0: Yeah, because Banks is Banks isn't draft eligible oh, until the twenty okay. twenty five draft. Yeah.
1: Worthy's the one where I'm like, ah, I I feel like I don't know. I don't know. We we haven't seen a complete season on Xavier Worthy. And you can say, okay, well, I mean, he's hadn't had a quarterback play has been iffy, An offensive line has been iffy, he's been injured, all this stuff. I want to see a complete season from Worthy before I'm gonna yeah. speak before if I think thinking that there's no way NFL scouts are thinking. That worthy is going to be a first round pick.
0: I've heard if you he, if he would have come out uh, if he would have come out this year if he were eligible to, um, he probably would have been like a late three early four. Yeah, Just one one person I trust
1: told me that. Yours a lot I think will ride on how healthy this offense is. I think obviously it's going to be Caleb Williams number one. A lot of guys like Drake May. But I think looking at the class for next season, I think yours is probably that third quarterback. Mm -hmm. And we've seen how it goes here with the combine and stuff. I mean, the first three of the first four picks this this draft were quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson, he's a project. He's not going to be there to start game one, but he has that ceiling. And for yours, I think yours can have a much better season this year than Richardson did last year because he had the Kentucky game, he had the Utah game, but besides that, there wasn't a lot that was just like, ah, he's completely dominating play. Like SEC I said, An- Anthony
0: Richardson is the kind of pick that you either look like a genius in three or four years or Chris Ballard's going to be out of a job in the next 12 to 18 months.
1: If you drafted Will Levis, he would have been out of a job because you're basically <laughs> just drafting <laughs> Sam Ellinger. I think Ellinger's a better quarterback than Will Levis, but oh, I'm completely man. biased.
0: Dude, it's going to be tough for Sam to make that roster though, Cam. Yeah. Like, you know, they still Nick Foles is still there. They just signed Gardner Minshew. They draft Anthony Richardson, and Sam was kind of a, at least for the Frank Reich regime, was kind of a package guy where they could do some different things. Well, that's a perfect way to get Anthony Richardson's feet wet. So, I don't know, maybe at this point, maybe it's just best for Sam to just get out of Indy. Maybe if he can get released and go sign somewhere. I, honestly, because of their styles, dude, I think Sam would be a perfect backup for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah. we Kind of just like Colt with the Browns where it's just like, man, like he got his chance, but that was just a really bad organization and just the, probably the wrong team to be on. Yeah, I'm not saying Colt McCoy could have been a a perennial Hall of Famer and a Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion. There's a but, reason why Colt's still in the league. Yeah,
0: I I can see Sam having a similar trajectory yeah. where he's just, you know, he's good enough if you need him to spot start during the year, but he's that security blanket. If you want to invest in your backup quarterback, you can invest in Sam Ellinger.
1: Yeah, and I think I think he will have a 10 to 15 career. In the NFL, 10 to 15 year career in the NFL, just being even if he's just a backup quarterback, but he's a great locker room guy. He's a very high IQ individual, and he's someone that you want on your sideline that can come in. Like he's, I mean, how many times do we see Colt come in in a year for the Cardinals because Kyler Murray gets injured? I mean, he he started three games last season, and and ultimately Colt got injured. But I mean, this is what year 13 of Colt in the league, and he's still trusted to be the number two guy.
0: And, And and sign me up. Sign me up to be Dak Prescott's backup quarterback because as much as I love Dak, you know, dude, I've got a pretty good shot to start at some point this year. Yeah, They're going to need me for a game or two. So I know we're putting the cart way before the horse on Sam, but that Indy situation, just, uh, man, new coach and, you know, you got a GM fighting for his job. Uh, just, you, they just hired an a...
1: ESPN analyst during the season, Jeff.
0: Yeah, Jim Ursay doesn't get enough uh, credit for being uh, a nosy, hands-on owner. And credit, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Mm. Like, it just it's just tweeting, like, bizarre stuff during the draft. Like, hey, dude, do you want us to draft Will Levis? Like, dude, you just spent the number 4 pick on a quarterback. Like, why are you even mentioning that? I don't know. Jim says a whole different ball of wax. But we'll, we, we'll take your questions on the Cowboys and the Longhorns in the NFL. Real quick, before we transition to Ron Holland talk, uh, I like Deshaun Jameson's fit with the 49ers for the reasons my man Matt Butler pointed out. And I actually went and looked up Deshaun's numbers. They were a little more impressive. I don't know. Matt and I might be kind of looking for the same thing, but just maybe a little bit different. Uh, Deshaun Jameson signs an undrafted free agent deal with the San Francisco 49ers. So during Jameson's entire career, I was harping on him or harping on the staff. Please move him to safety or nickel where he can be around the football more and make more of an impact because he is a ball hawk and he's proven that when he gets his hands on the football, he can do really exciting things with it. Now, that is up to Kyle Shanahan, the lifetime Longhorn himself, to that he can he has that power in his hands now to try Deshaun Jameson at safety. What a time to be alive. But the thing for, for me that Matt Butler pointed out, I went back and looked at the numbers, Deshaun Jamison became a really good corner in zone coverage last year. It was one of the better zone coverage corners in the country, and the 49ers are a real zone-heavy defense. Uh, Deshaun Jamison allowed a 46.2 NFL passer rating Uh, when targeted in zone coverage last season. Only 16 receptions allowed on 34 targets. He had two interceptions in zone coverage, five pass breakups, a total of six forced incompletions. He was really good in zone coverage. We see, like, he can lunge a little bit. His eyes aren't great. Like, we see where he can struggle in man coverage, and his recovery speed is good. It's not elite. But I, I think safety would be a perfect fit for him. But the fact that the 49ers run a lot of zone, you know he can come in, whether you want him returning kicks, whether you want him on block units, coverage units, you know he can come in and be a core special teams guy for you. Whether it's the 49ers or somebody else, I think Deshaun Jameson's making a roster. I, I've, I've thought that about him. I, I think he could, you could look back and say, wow, he, he had a better pro career than he had a college career. I really think that about Deshaun
1: Jameson. The nice, nice thing about that signing is that it's a luxury signing because now the 49ers can use Jamison however they want versus a Texas where it's like we have no one else at cornerback. Deshaun, you got to be our cornerback one. I mean, this is the first time the cornerback death room has been what? Has been solid for Texas in how many years? The same thing with Overshown, it's, it's right? it been a minute, yeah. Where you need a demo to play a certain position, but now in the NFL, Overshown in Jamison can kind of be used in different ways where PK and the Texas defense – could not do that because they needed him to play a certain position the entire time at Texas because there was no depth at all on the 48ers. Dude,
0: and, and Stoner makes a good point. Would Shano just take Deshaun Jameson and maybe try him on offense?
1: Yeah. Well, like I don't know. Cowboys use Jordan Lewis in, like, you know, jet sweep action. Deshaun
0: was a wide receiver his first year yeah, on campus. as a
1: speed for it. So
0: we'll see. Uh, so I, I like – and the fact that the 49ers didn't have a ton of draft picks either probably makes you think. Whoever his agent is, I think that's probably a, was a really smart – destination for him and uh, then Anthony Cook signs with the Chiefs uh, I don't know if he's if Anthony Cook's gonna make a roster but I think he's I think he'll be one of those guys that just based on how hard he plays the toughness he plays with I think he's gonna be one of those guys that's really hard to cut when it comes down to final cut down days so I could see him being a practice squad guy for the Chiefs or somebody else but I think he's gonna he's gonna be one of those guys that I think endears himself to a team and the coach is like man I, I really don't want to cut that guy yeah and you just put, kind of put that, stash him away on the practice squad and just keep him around because you just like the kind of competitor he is. And then Tariq Milton's getting a, going to the Giants' rookie minicamp for a tryout. Confirmed that with him yesterday. So good for him, man. Yeah, good for Tariq. Good for him. Haven't heard anything on Jaleel Billingsley yet,
1: and I don't yep. know that we will. So How about Eli Ricks going undrafted? And, of course, he goes to the Eagles. Doesn't shock
0: me. Doesn't shock me because there's a defensive back at Alabama who didn't play much and kind of fell out of favor you got to wonder what Nick Saban told scouts and personnel when they asked him because if anybody's going to be honest about a player it's going to be Nick Saban.
1: Oh, I just wonder if this all those injuries have just caught up to him where the the team's got the medical on him it was just like, yeah, he 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 has there's only a limit of how many NFL games he's going to play. There's yeah. a cap on his career because he suffered so many injuries at LSU. I mean, he had the incredible freshman all-American at LSU gets injured. I think he sat out the most of the second year comes to Alabama. Was injured in preseason with a shoulder thing. He comes in first play of the game. Gets a concussion. He has not been able to sit in the football field since his freshman year. Of, uh, Apparently, year.
0: that's why Darnell Washington slid too. Is he's got medical medical concerns. Yeah. But at some point, the talent's just so much that you're like, dude, I don't, I don't care. I'm gonna take this guy, and if I get four years out of him, and that's it, well then I'm gonna get his best four years.
1: He's a very obviously. yeah interesting prospect because he is a uh, large human being. His his Washington. draft combine tape yeah. of him of him blocking compared to Michael Mayer in Kincaid, where they're just like you know kind of inching it, and Washington just kind of just completely just blisters the blocking by like 10, 15 yards. But his catch numbers have not been great, and his injuries have not been great either. So I'm I was th- wondering if, da- if Dallas Dallas was going to take a, a chance on him in the second, but they went with uh, Shootmaker instead.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll make Inconceivable short today because I want to get into the Ron Holland stuff. So Ron Holland opens up his recruitment on Friday. Uh, Rodney Terry had a couple of really good days. You get Max smooth you get Caden Shedrick, you get Dylan DeSue back, and then Ron Holland pulls this. Look, I'm going to go with um, what our staff has posted. And you, if you're on the flagship message board at horns 7 I'm sure you've seen this. But for those that haven't, I'll just go ahead and, and read it for you. Uh, Eric Bossie who covers national basketball recruiting for us uh one of the, one of the best in the industry doing it Bossy's really good at what he does um he was at the Nike EYBL event over the weekend and was able to gather some intel and I'll mention why I 100% believe what Bossy's talking about here just a minute after I read this but he says for what it's worth I'm in Phoenix for the Nike EYBL and did some asking around about Holland Take it for what it's worth, but it sounds like for the past few weeks since the Nike hoop summit, Holland and his his family have been wanting a lot of promises over his role at Texas and opportunities that UT couldn't make promises about. Texas was in home recently and basically explained they've done all they can for him and that they've done all they can to assure him of what to expect. But if he's not happy, they can't make any more promises that if he has to do something different, they feel the program it's a strong enough one that they will find a way to move on and succeed with or without him. The reason why I buy this report from Bossy 100%, this is exactly what I was told about why Arterio Morris entered the portal. The promises. You want certain things promised. And say what you want, man. Roddy Terry's just not going to do that. That's what I was told by the person who told me that about Arterio Morris. Arterio's just not going to do that. I think, look, let's take Morris for a minute, right, Kim? I I think if Arturo Morris had come back, clearly his minutes would have increased. His role would have increased. By how much, how many minutes was he going to play, how many shots per game he was going to get? You don't know that. You can't predict that, and you can't promise that. When you start promising stuff like that to players, that's when you get yourself in a world of hurt, number one, because the first time you don't live up to that promise, now that player isn't content, and when those other guys on that team find out that you promised that player X or promised him Y or promised him Z and they didn't get that same promise, that's when you create issues within your locker room. So I have no problem with Texas taking that approach. Artario Morris is now at Kansas. Good luck trying to get assurances from Bill Self on how much you're going to play and what your role is going to be because that's a guy that probably the first time you complain to Bill Self about your role or your playing time, it's probably about the time you find yourself on the bench. Yeah. At Allen Fieldhouse. And with Ron Holland, I saw the report from Jeff Goodman this morning that it's sounding like Arkansas, which say what you want about tampering and things like that. It's college basketball is one of those sports, Cam, that people are like you know, you hear the said all the time like once you find out how the sausage is made, it doesn't doesn't taste as good. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Apologize if I butchered it. Man, in college basketball, we we know like like Gen Pop knows way too much about how the sausage is made in college basketball. Like there, there is no honor amongst thieves when you're talking about tampering and things like that. But it, maybe it's Arkansas, the G League too, with Ron Holland, and we can talk about nil all we want. Same same thing with AJ Johnson. AJ Johnson, you had a deal who what didn't really want to go to class, didn't really want to talk about it, college experience. Yeah, if dude, I'd rather be dude be honest though. Like, I don't want to go to class, and if. The NBL is going to pay me a contract that's going to pay me upwards of 750 grand. Yeah, it's a pretty nice one-year gig before you go to the league. And I don't know what the G League is going to offer Ron Holland, but I heard in the neighborhood of what they were going to offer Greg Brown to make him make that decision to not go to Texas. And if it's in that realm, that's probably something Texas wouldn't be smart to do for NIL number one. And I don't know, quite frankly, if it's something that they could do. Again, assuming that number I told about was what I was told was offered to Greg Brown is accurate. So there's a lot of layers to this, man. I, I think, for one, does Rodney Terry and that staff, do they re, kind of rethink the way they recruit? And and it's with these guys, it's interesting anyway because you look at Arterio Morris, Ron Holland. By the way, those two guys are really good friends. So take that for whatever it's worth. And if Arterio Morris had a bad experience at Texas or didn't like it or was disenfranchised or whatever, was he talking to his buddy about that? I don't know. That's just pure speculation. But Artario Morris, Ron Holland, A.J. Johnson, three guys that you took that you knew they had professional opportunities and you knew something like this could happen. So I just wonder, does it change the type of guys Rod and Terry and company go out? In other words, if you're going to go after a guy that's going to have legitimate professional options for one year before he goes to the league and talk about the one and done roll all you want the NBA, the next CBA has already been ratified, so it's going to be another eight years before you can talk about that thing changing again. So it's just you're just going number one in the wind. Like it just it's not going to do any good to talk about it and beat that point home. I just wonder if it changes the type of guys that go after. In other words, if you go after one of these guys that has legitimate professional opportunities, do you have a good enough relationship with them to fend off the people that are in their ear telling them to take that contract? Because I tell you what, Trey Johnson, the number one prospect in the country out of Lake Highlands, he and Rodney Terry have a really good relationship. RT's got a great relationship with that family because Trey's dad played for RT when RT was an assistant at Baylor under Harry Miller. So they've got a good relationship. Trey Johnson's going to have plenty of opportunities to go to the professional ranks if he wants to. And you, you, you have he's the type of guy, he's so talented, you have to continue to recruit him. Even if you sign him, you recruit him through the whistle like he's uncommitted and hope that your relationship is enough. It's... It's not a good situation to be in to have to think about because you you want to recruit really talented players, but at the same time, you want to avoid situations happening like what's happening right now, where you now have zero incoming freshmen for the 2023-24 season.